Thank you all for those beautiful touches of music this morning. It's right for this season. Who, who would have expected God to have used an out-of-the-way place like Bethlehem? Just a hamlet in its day and little more than a neighborhood today. Bethlehem. In God's providence, it was Bethlehem, that little city that came to change the whole world. It wasn't Rome. Where the king sat, it wasn't Rome. Today we name our dogs Caesar. That didn't change the world. It wasn't Washington, D.C. But because of Bethlehem, the birthplace of our king. This morning, if you'd look with me in uh, the Gospel of Luke, I, I want to read that story again, but this time I'd like for you to listen for something that's mentioned three times in this telling. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord uh, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away, into the heavens, and the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and uh, see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the holy baby as he lay in the manger. Did you catch it? The word that's mentioned three times? The manger. The manger. Uh, I took just enough French to know that in French, to eat is to manger. The manger. It's simply a feeding trough for animals. Often it's depicted in wood, you know. Uh, today, of course, the only mangers that survive were those that were hewn out of stone. They do, just look like stone blocks with a little hollow in the top for the food to be laid there. Barn equipment, where a bassinet ought to be. Why the manger? I don't think it's merely the second thought of the innkeeper. Well, there's no room here. Let's put you in the stable. It's, it's not merely the handy solution of a carpenter, first-time father. Oh, I had no idea. Here, let's use the manger.
It's not just an expedient solution for a sleepy and exhausted mom. Here, let's, let's wrap the child in swaddling clothes and lay him in the manger, the clothes, so it, so it won't be sticky. This is the safest place we have. Let's lay him here for the night. According to Luke... It wasn't just a second thought. It wasn't just a happenstance. It wasn't just the way it turned out. The truth of the matter is, according to Luke, the angels say that this is a sign. Which seems to suggest to me not only that God knew what Mary and Joseph were doing in the stable, but maybe he foreplanned it. That, that this is on purpose. And this will be a, a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and and laying in a manger. Well, that must have been good news for the shepherds (laughs) because a lot of shepherds weren't even welcome in town. And and you could understand that. The shepherds were the the people who had no homes. They were really the homeless people of the day. How many homeless people do you know that you would welcome in the middle of the night knocking at your door? To to a home or, or much less to an inn, Bethlehem was absolutely packed full with people that were coming into town for the census. But the shepherds, how would they know how to find this birth in that city, closed doors, after dark, at night, simple? This shall be a sign for you. You shall find the child enclosed and lying in a manger. A manger. That's the one place we know in town. A manger. We don't have to even knock to get to the manger. Uh, Shepherds probably knew exactly where the possible mangers were in town, where they could have gone. This is a message to connect the lowliest of people in society in that day, the shepherds, to the birth of a king. A manger. It, 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 It was the plan of God. This idea, not just a, a happenstance, not just a, a second-rate, uh, second thought. God was at work in this. God had come to earth on a rescue mission. And as they say in uh, the FBI, as I understand, they, he went deep cover. Deep cover. If you were expecting the birth of a king, probably the last place you would have looked for him is in a barn. But that's because God was not anticipating us looking for him. This was God looking for us. All of us. Not just the privileged of us. Not just those of us that thought we might qualify for such a visit. But for those who could have never imagined that God was seeking them. A bunch of shepherds on a hillside. He came. The manger. I I think it wasn't just a a coincidence of Christmas. I think it was very intentional. The way Luke tells it, it almost has to be. There's a message in the manger. And what's the message? The message is basically this. It doesn't matter how much your life stinks. It doesn't matter how big the mess is. In the barn of your own life, God has come for you. God has come for you for shepherds. A stable, a manger, they'd been there. 
they knew how to find their way to that manger and they discovered God and Jesus. He's been here. If, if you ever struggle on a night to wonder if you've dropped off God's rain, uh, radar, um, however far you are, whatever mess you might be in, you need not be alone. God's been there. God's been there because God's been here. What an incredible message that none of us are beyond uh, his reach. It's true, especially at Christmas, from that very first Christmas and often in our own Christmas, that remarkable gifts sometimes come in very unremarkable packages. That's true of the manger. Max Lucado says that was true of one of his family Christmases. The box came and it was indescript and cardboard and wrapped many, many times, but it didn't have any tag on it, you know, no from, no to. It was just a mystery gift. And so it was as big as Max was at the time. He remembered himself being about four years old and it sat over the corner. He couldn't even get it under the tree. When the boys asked about it, Mom, what, what, what's with the big box? She simply told him, oh, it's something your dad brought home for Christmas almost uh, frustrated that it didn't look good next to the tree. And she assumed it was for the boys. But on Christmas morning, after all the presents had been opened, that box was still mysteriously untouched. And, And so the boys asked, well, who's the box for? And Thelma spoke up as well and said, uh, Jack, who's, who's the, who's the box for? We haven't opened the big box. And with that, he got that knowing grin and reached for the eight millimeter camera, you know. And he said, well, Thelma, it's for you. And the camera started to roll and recorded a a memory that the family played back over and over and over again. For me, for me. And she went over and he, he gave her a knife and she cut open the top of it and he stood back as she pulled out stuffings from inside the box. And finally, she got to the box on the inside, and she opened it up. But when she opened it up, there was another box inside. And when she opened it up, there was another box inside. And when she opened it up, there was another, oh, Jack. And finally, she pulls out a ring-sized box. Oh, Jack. She opens the box, and there's a beautiful new ring. And Max said at four years old, he didn't understand the impact of a romantic gift whatsoever. But he never forgot this, that some of the most remarkable gifts come in the most unremarkable packages. Some of the most remarkable gifts come in some of the most unremarkable packages. And this, my friends, is the goal of Christmas. It didn't stop with a cradle. God longs to live in a life just like yours. That in the unremarkable packaging of who we all are, his remarkable gift within us might become evident to the whole world. God wants for every heart, every heart, to become his manger. And so he invites from the very beginning those who would have counted themselves out. He invites the shepherds to the manger. 
to give this and receive this most remarkable gift, the gift of the incarnation. The Gospels share it in story form. It took Paul to explain it in theological terms. And he does so in Philippians chapter 2. Now, you wouldn't expect this to be a Christmas passage, but it really is because it describes the incarnation with such eloquence. And in fact, this very passage in Philippians chapter 2 has, has rhyme and meter to it in the Greek. It's, it, it's poetic. In fact, it's led many scholars to believe that this is one of the first Christian hymns that we have quoted in uh, Philippians chapter 2. It begins this way. The introduction to it is, Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. I want you to hear in this the descent of God ever closer to us. Are you ready? Although he existed in the form of God, he did not Uh, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being uh, found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those who hear the message of the manger in this life and who worship him, are those who on that day will bow their knees gladly. Those on earth who ignore this visitation will be those who on that day uh, understand what it is to bow the knee regretfully. They will have missed it. Note the descent. In the very nature of God, He who is the the filler of all things, the one that holds all things together, the one through whom everything was made, the pre-existent Christ has become incarnate in the baby Jesus. The very nature of God was his. But he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. What What an incredible thing. The one who hung the stars now hangs on by his little fingers to Mary's hand. It's mind-blowing. The, the creator has become incarnate. The one who hung the stars, who made our son uh, a million earths can fit inside our son. Just, just start to comprehend the size of this swoop. For, for the creator of the universe is now the created incarnate Christ. Though he was in very nature of God, he did not hold equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He became 
one of us. Do you know what that means? He did, he did not hold equality with God, a thing to be held on to. That, that, that means that he didn't come into this world pushing his weight around. He could have. He sure could have. He, he, he was God. But, but, but when we spat on him, when we nailed him to a cross, he didn't call forth angels from heaven in a holy fire to turn the whole world to a cinder. He could have. <laughs> But he didn't. He didn't. In the very nature of God, yet he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped because he didn't want to force our hands. He wanted to win our hearts. Right? He didn't hold equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he who made all things now makes himself nothing. Some translations say that the word there is kenosis. And maybe the best translation of it is Jesus emptied himself of his, emptied it, poured himself out, emptied himself of his privilege as God, of his majesty as God, in order to connect with us where we are. He emptied himself. He poured himself out. He, he who made all things made himself nothing. He, he, uh, how do you wrap words around that? I'm not, I'm not even sure I understand completely how how far God went. It's it's a mystery that's hard to to unravel. He made himself nothing. He who fills all things holds the world together by his very essence, according to Colossians. He who fills all empties himself. What an incredible humbling of God Almighty. Almighty. But his humbling didn't stop at a cradle, at just becoming human. He, he actually became a servant. He did all that, that he might serve us rather than be served. And, and that humbling went beyond him just serving us. It went to the point that he humbled himself to death, even to death on a cross. Do, do, do you see the, the downward journey from the crown of heaven to the cradle of Bethlehem to the cross of Calvary? Why? Why? Because he didn't come to demand your allegiance. He came to display our Heavenly Father's affection. He didn't come to force our allegiance. He came this way to win our hearts. And, and the God who humbled himself then is the one who invites us to humble ourselves enough that we might receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. There's a message in the manger, and, and Paul unravels the, the mystery of it all. He didn't come to make a demand. He came to display his love. He came on a rescue mission. And if we will humble ourselves to receive this humble king, then the words of the hymn that we sang earlier this morning, O Little Town of Bethlehem, can be ours. It, 
If meek souls still, where meek souls still receive him, the dear Christ enters in. Every heart being his manger is the goal of what God was after when he came to us in a cradle at Christmas. It's where it all begins. Even even the date is open. God was so humble with his entry into this world. The the date isn't even circled on the calendar really until this day. You know, most people think that since the, the shepherds were out with their sheep in the fields grazing at night, that it must have been sometime in early spring, if that was the case, that Jesus must have been born, maybe in March. But, but we don't know exactly when. The um, Eastern Orthodox Church still celebrates Jesus' birthday on, I, th- I think it is January 6th or January 9th. It's, 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 it's in the first part of January. And, and it's been our tradition since, oh, about the 4th century to celebrate it on December 25th. Not because anybody thought that was the actual day that Jesus was born. But because on, uh, did I say September? On December 20th, did I say December or September? I said December. Okay, good. Y'all can lock me up later. I'm losing my mind. On, on, on December 25th, because that, that was a day that the Roman culture had a huge celebration in the middle of winter, uh, celebrating light in the darkest of times. And, and they decided that one of the best things they could do is, is, is not to fight that, but rather to convert it. Just like Christ came to convert our hearts, not to annihilate us, but, but rather to convert us, they converted that celebration. And today, you, you don't even know the names of the gods that they used to honor on that day. This is about Jesus now. The day has been converted. But even the day on the calendar, God did not make a big deal of. I wonder why. I wonder if it was because God was looking right past that day. I wonder if it was because God's heart was so eager. You know, we always say that uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. And we say that accurately. And we say that looking back. But when God looks upon the earth, he looks upon us looking forward, right? And, And so God would not say Jesus is the reason for the season. God would say, you are. You are. You're the reason he comes. You know the date that he's got circled on his calendar? It's not in March and it's not in December. It's today. Today is the day of salvation. The day that God has circled on his calendar is your everlasting birthday. Whatever that may be. The date that God has circled on his calendar, all the angels in heaven know that that's when the celebration really breaks out. When one sinner turns Towards him. Today. May be that day. That God has circled on his calendar. It may be a day in your past. But that's the day. That God cared so much to see. On that first Christmas. His angels sang his entry. But I bet God was looking forward. To the day that he might receive you as his son or his daughter. Because of what this son born in Bethlehem would do on our behalf. 
J.B. Phillips tells the story of, of two angels who, who come visiting from a different galaxy. There, there's a senior angel and, a, a, and a, an apprentice angel. And, and as they arrive in our galaxy, the senior angel points to a little blue planet and, and says, see that one right over there? It's one of the smaller ones, but, but don't let that fool you. That's one you need to keep your eye on. And, and the junior angel says, what, that little dusty place? What could possibly be the importance of, of that dirty little planet? And his comments started to, to run on. And the senior angel stopped him. Now, I've told you to watch that little planet for a reason. You see, it's the renowned visited planet. And the junior angel was shocked. What, that fifth-rate planet over there? That's the planet of, of the visitation? Our great and glorious prince went there in person. That's the place where he stoops so low to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures on, on that planet. And the senior angel stopped and he said, you better watch how you talk about that planet. And you better not call those there simply creepy, crawling creatures It seems strange to us at best. But God Almighty, He loves them. He loves them. He became one of them so that they could become one with Him and become ones like Him. There's no distance that's too far. God has placed you here more than anything else, to find his place in you. God has placed you here more than anything else to find his place in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. In every heart, God wants to be his manger. Like the stable in which you lay. My heart is simple, frail as hay. But if you would within me stay, make my heart your manger, I pray. Make my world your Bethlehem, centerpiece with heaven's sun. Make this night a shepherd's sky, quick and bright with holy dawn. Rush the air with cherub wings, brush this earth. Let angels sing a glimpse of your face, a taste of your grace. Be born in this place, I pray. Amen. Would you make your heart his manger? That's the message in it all. Will you make today God's Christmas? The message of the manger is simply this. As the angel said, he loves us. And the king humbly 
awaits your cue to come in. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in to stay, come in today. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. For all the songs heaven may hear on earth, sung towards heaven this Christmas, the one that God longs most to hear is a song like that from a heart like yours. Would you give him that gift? Stand with me and let's sing it together. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today. Come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. God glories in your singing in that song. There's so many others for whom his heart beats that have yet to sing it. Would Christ in you the hope of glory, extend this same message to all that you see this Christmas. Whomever's path you may cross, they are one for whom he has come. Let's sing of our worship of him today. And may the song spill out of this place, wherever we may go. As we sing this final song as our worship team leads us.